Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. 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 Ooh, this episode is going to really try everybody's patience. <laughs> but Benjamin, sure look. This week, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it for a whole episode. This week, Benjamin, we're taking a look at Encanto, which is a new thing from some animating studio. There's been a teaser for Sandman released about 20 minutes after our last episode finished recording. <laughs> I've watched all of Squid Game. You haven't, so I'm going to try not to spoil it for you. Then we're going to take a look at what if Ultron had actually won? Would that be any good or interesting? Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough. Benjamin, it isn't. It isn't, because we do a weekly pop culture podcast. Yeah, yeah. We have decided to dedicate the entire month of October to Spooktober. So we'll be having spooky topics uh, for all of October. And this very episode, Michael, the inaugural Spooktober episode, we have a guest a guest, is it? A guest. It's Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell. Ooh. Oh, Ben, I had a much better... Oh, I'm... I had a much better intro set up. <laughs> oh, no. I'll, I'll, I'll go back out. Say, I'll go man. out and come back in again. Yeah, you go, go back, back out and come back, back in again. Go back out. Yes, exactly. Benjamin, in Halloween, people are often haunted by spectres of their past. Speaking of, please welcome Dr. Ooh. Stephen J. Cadwell. I, I think Ben's was better myself. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Vindication, vindication. For the month of Spooktober, I'm going to I'm going to side with Ben for Spooktober. Oh, oh no, that is spooky. Yes. <laughs> oh, what a what a wonderful uh, what a wonderful Halloween gift to receive. Uh, Father Benjamin, Halloween. What is, what is Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell here to talk to us about? Sure, listen, Michael. He's here to talk to us about video games and horror. How the video game uh, model is a better fit. For the horror genre, and he's a bit of an expert in it, Michael. He's written a paper. Oh, yeah. So we're in for a treat. In Michael. a book a treat. that was sold on Amazon and in shops. Oh no, <laughs> all places. That's a real thing. Ooh. Ooh, will there be a link in the spooky description? There'll be a link to get it free on the Discord. <laughs> So spooky. That is spooky for like sales and marketing of <laughs> academic books. Yeah, the book's like, it's, it's like, like 50 oh, no. quid. Yeah, it's but... 50 quid. You, I'll just give you the paper. It's just a, a doc, a word doc. It'll be grand. Excellent. Very good. Benjamin. Yes. What's happening in Encanto and what's it got to do with Spookoween? Michael, Encanto is the brand new Disney Pixar collaboration. And it's going to be a fun little adventure where a character finds themselves. They've identified a flaw, but it's not really a flaw, Michael, because they're young and impressionable and maybe they've taken it to heart and it's not really a thing. So they go on a little adventure, Michael, and throughout the ins and outs of that adventure, they find out, oh, it wasn't a flaw, but a secret strength all along. All along. Benjamin. Yes. Is this a story about a superpowered family with one kind of outsider who isn't superpowered? Yes, it's sky high, but set in Latin America. Or, um, or that recent one. What's it called with all the umbrellas? Uh, Umbrella Academy, but a bit more cheerful. <laughs> that was it. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it's Umbrella Academy without the abusive parenting. Not that we know of, anyway. Not there might be a little bit well, of a Disney we could, we could be in for a real Disney Pixar shake-up here. <laughs> it could be a real twist. Well, it's Disney Pixar, so the mammal will probably be dead in the first scene. Yeah. That's true. Uh, it, it looks like in this one, I don't know who the the matriarch character is, 
but she could be an auntie or yeah. something like that. Yes, a so it looks like the parents people. are pre-dead. They're pre-dead. They've come pre-dead, pre-dead for yeah. Pixar's convenience. Uh, it's very Pixar, isn't it? it it's is. a very Pixar-looking number. It is, Michael. So this is this is kind of this is another step in in Pixar's world culture kind of broad spectrum of entertainment because we've had we've had little moments like this before we've had coco in mexico we've had moana in the pacific ocean uh, pacific islander region of the world um, mm-hmm. and this is a continuation of that it's from the same producers as moana uh, and it's it's going to be it's probably michael going to be another little slam dunk for representation on screen because these films are are the the cultural response michael to this range of films and steven sorry i can't just say michael today it'll have to be michael and steven no. my apologies steven you can call us yes mns depending if you're feeling yeah depending <laughs> if you're feeling middle class and british or kinky <laughs> okay I'll, I'll see how i feel from reference yeah, yeah. to reference. So, M&S, Very good. it's pretty interesting because these films have kind of been taken to heart by whatever community they're representing. Um, and they're really looked upon as a, a really good representation of the cultural traditions of each one. And you wouldn't think that, but they're just nailing it every time, Michael. And Benjamin, Stephen when can we have one? That's what I want. <laughs> when can we have... I think we're well overdue in Irish mythology. Like, if you can do Brave with bears and bloody bored gosh energy lights just bouncing along the forest path what's what's no, see happy? i think brave was it i think they gave it to us with brave i don't think i think they're just like ah, these are these are all ginger so these are all the same you see you've misunderstood me about i didn't mean the irish oh. i meant middle class bearded white irish men who do podcasts but you know when are we Michael- specifically <laughs> going to get one Traditionally, Michael, we're one of the most marginalised groups in society. So Very marginalised. <laughs> Anytime I tell people I have a podcast, they roll their eyes and go, of course you do. <laughs> and that's hurtful. Did, did, did it feel did like it. if it was Irish that it would be a bit diddly-eye? Did it feel to you, the trailer, like if this was in Ireland, it would be set in Carols of Dublin and everyone would be puking, <laughs> you know, clouds and... Shamrocks and you know leprechauns. I'll do. I'll do a really quick speed pitch for you, as lads. I want the Irish one might be. Uh, no, let's leave that for another day. Aww. Why don't we? To, look, listen, look, lads, look, listen. I haven't seen Coco. I don't think I didn't see the one about the boy in Italy who wanted breakfast or wherever it was. Luke, um, Luca. I didn't see the one. You know oh, that yeah. one? I was like, ah, oh, I want to have a breakfast. That one. Um, I didn't see um, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, her brothers. I haven't seen any of those. Are they Pixar? Uh, Onward is is di- no. Onward is, this, is Pixar. Yeah. Onward is I can't I can't remember which. They're they've kind of amalgamated now. It's now like a Disney Pixar thing. It's it's uh, it's a whole confusing thing, Michael. Let, let's not get into it. But in this particular case, the diddly eye syndrome might be there. I wouldn't know because I'm not from South mm. America, South or Central America. Mm. I'm I'm not sure what diddlyisms they yeah. have. The South American equivalent yeah. of diddly eye, yeah, which yeah. I'm not going to hazard so a guess. It's at. pretty mm. interesting. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm racking my brain, but I can't think of something that is simultaneously funny enough not to say, but not racist. insulting enough to get away with. As yeah. you pointed out, we're three uh, middle-aged white men, so it's it's yes. it's not going to go well. Speaking of old white men, the oldest whitest man in the world has been captured in the Sandman trailer. Yes, he has. Uh, we didn't get through any of the interesting stuff on Encanto. 
No, it doesn't matter. We have to move on, Ben. We've got a podcast to fill. We're 10 minutes deep already. <laughs> okay, Michael. Uh, taking a look at the... Uh, we got the Sandman teaser trailer. Five minutes, as you said, after last week's episode recording. We were just like, oh, okay. Mm. Could have timed that better, lads. Yeah. But, Not very considerate. Yeah, we've gotten the first scene from the from volume one of the Sandman, which is Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, mm. From the very first comic, we've gotten the the cultists capturing dream mm, we've got um the poor man's christopher lee charles dance and he's doing a he's doing some sort of ceremony i was a little bit surprised that they went that deep into the mythology of the comic book to be honest because back in the olden days when you were recommending to your non-comic book fans to read sandman you would often say just go straight to the second one you'll be grand yeah. But the TV show's not going straight to the second one. It's going right back to Dream being trapped in a in yeah. a glass box thing. It's gonna be it 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 could potentially be incredibly intense if they if they stick to preludes and nocturnes. It's it it it, it might be a bit too intense for a lot of people. Like the scenes in the uh, the diner could um, could seriously uh, lose some of the more mainstream fans, but. I don't know. Mm. They are doing that, though. They are sticking to that because David Thewlis has been cast as John D. <gasps> oh, gross John D mm. in the little yeah. green coat. Gross oh, John D. No. Yeah, Destiny. Yeah. So he he's been cast, um, and I think you know, in a in a modern kind of TV landscape, that kind of intense horror has a lot of mm. room. Like that. That's you know, American Gothic is in right now. So hot right now. <laughs> So hot right now. Um, Benjamin. Know, yeah. Um, first of all, I think you should pronounce it intense <laughs> horror. But also, do you want to fill the less up-to-date on Sandman listeners in on what you and Stephen are talking about with the gross and horribleness of Preludes and Nocturnes? Yeah, so so Preludes and Nocturnes is, is very different from the rest of the Sandman uh, canon. <clears throat> and the reason yeah. for that is yeah, it was that originally ago, pitched. Say again. I said that a minute ago. You did indeed. Remember um, I said, yeah. So the reason for that is that originally it was pitched as a horror comic uh, by <laughs> Neil Gaiman, and he was kind of um... horror comic. <laughs> and so the tone of those first three mm. are very, uh, very spooky, and very, very spooky. Oh, sorry, I was just going to jump in just on, on our on our topic for today, which is horror. Um, the introduction to that, uh, um, the, the the bound edition of um, Preludes and Nocturnes has a quote, and I think it's from Stephen King. I can't remember who did the introduction, and I don't have it to hand. Um, but he said, horror should crawl into your spine and change you completely. I'm paraphrasing. And that's something that's always stuck with me, that true horror like cr- comes into your spine and, and, and like really changes you at your very core. And the, 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 the John D section of Preludes and Nocturnes has done that. Like it, mm. I probably was too young to read it and it has warped me <laughs> ever since. Um, and I think yeah. when we talk about, you know, horror in, in more general terms later on, it's something to remember that a comic can also be a, a, a tremendous vehicle of truly, you know, body changing horror and the interesting thing is the rest of Sandman isn't really horror it gets into weird high fantasy and tootenfalutin um, mini series of stories and Mm. all sorts of it's all it's all bits of everything but that first one Mm. is very much 
gross and horrible horror in the vein of the likes of Miracle Man and stuff like that, like late 80s yeah. British comics where everyone was getting punched in the face and yeah. the face was exploding. But I mean, the the, the kind of vignette style uh, mini story format of that is very much harkening back to like Crypt Keeper comics and like, you know, weekly horror and, and those kind of traditional comics. And I, I think Neil, Neil Gaiman has gone on record to say that that was a huge influence for the first few. But Stephen, you're bang on. There's there's moments in that first issue where you're just like, these are just ordinary yeah. people. Mm, this is horrific. What's happening to them for no other reason than they chose mm. to go into yeah. that diner. There's this little frame where John D is sitting on the counter and he's swinging his little uh, was it a, um, a medallion? Was it? I think it's some kind of yeah. special. Su- and that 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 haunts me at night when I close my eyes. That really did. Uh, that really did. Uh, changed me I think it got a little bit horrific later on in the Sandman run when they did the serial convention yeah, with the, I've got my my mouth's eyes yeah yeah oh and the yeah what was he the Corinthian mm. he got a bit but yeah. it never really reached that peak having said that though um, as Ben said this kind of American gothic horror feeling is very it might even come across these days as passe what with American gods and mm. you know there's a lot I I've seen a lot of people getting murdered in diners over the last 30 years. A lot of people getting yeah, murdered in diners. It's true. very common. Do you remember the film Legion, where Paul Bethany was an angel and everyone got murdered? That's the yes, whole film. That's is the people whole getting film. murdered horribly <laughs> no. in a diner. It's um, yeah. it's kind of, it's yeah, it's it's very much, it's it's troped its way into popular culture, getting murdered mm. in a diner. Yeah, I suppose in a post-Red Wedding TV environment mm, where mm, mm. Uh, we're desensitized quite a lot. Like when I read that, it was well, probably 94, 95, maybe 96. Mm. And I was like, I, you know, Eugene Victor Toombs off the X Files was the scary. He's coming in through the air vents. So. He's coming in to. <laughs> Look at his hand, his fingers grow He's long. coming in to get you through the air vents. He's all stretchy. Blech. He's like Mr. Blech. Fantastic, but horrible. Mr. No Use, they called him. He was the opposite of Mr. Fantastic. Um, what are we talking about? Benjamin. You were saying off air that you had yes. a hot take on how much like Sandman the main character looks like, but then Death doesn't look anything like the character from the comic books. And you said you had some thoughts on that. No, I didn't. You're trying to you're trying to harangue me with a with a yes, racist yeah, yeah, yeah. necktie, Michael. Nice try. Uh, <laughs> nice try. So uh, Tom Sturridge is looking the part uh, from this teaser trailer. I think it's fair to say that he's got a bloody a, a big heaping dose of Morpheus about him. Hmm. So many cheekbones. So many cheekbones. I think he's had extra put in to play the role. Yeah, arguably too many and, cheekbones. And, and the helmet looks perfect. The kind of spine helmet mm, looks incredible. Yeah. Or gas mask, yeah. sorry. It looks... In, it, the the prop work looks to be yeah. phenomenal on it. Because that, that, that pan down yeah. shot or that zoom in from above, that's directly from the comic. That's a panel from the comic. You can find yeah. it. It's a, it's a thing and it's spot on. So it looks like it's going to be an incredibly faithful... Uh, adaptation but for Michael what yes. you've just pointed out in that the internet has lost its minds a little bit because the the death of this series is going to be a woman of colour oh classic um, so needless to say Michael everybody's fine with that and there hasn't been a blip good well then let's move on then <laughs> Benjamin and Stephen BNS is, is that anything it's probably uh, some sort of yeah, a retailer in the UK <laughs> Uh, can I just uh, just just on that? Just I think Death looks great. I think she's going to be fantastic, and I think they could tie into her kind of you know the, if they tied into the whole kind of Egyptian uh, 
uh, ank wearing mm. aspect of the death character a bit more. And let's be honest, death in the comics is a 15 year old girl, which when you, when you're 15, you know, you're like, wow, cool. But now that you're 40, you're like, oh man, you're really not, you're being a bit creepy with death. She's a bit too young. She's 15. <laughs> Come Give on, it a Neil. break, Neil. Come, Come on, on. Neil Gaiman. Get your act together. Come on, young Neil yeah. Gaiman. Sort um, of. Um, <laughs> up, Neil. But sorry. Yeah. So, speaking of ultraviolence, speaking of ultraviolence pervading its way into culture, has anybody watched the Netflix program A Squid Game? No. 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 Okay. Well, it's a match of it's a massive cultural phenomenon and it's not it's... like we have a pop culture podcast that we have to have to keep abreast of this sort of thing on. It's the number one show ever on Netflix oh apparently. God. It's just it's what? just about to or has already dethroned Bridgerton. As the number one series ever on Netflix, and uh, yeah, 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 and it's quite good. I've watched I watched all nine episodes of it over two evenings. That's four and a half hours of Squid Game per evening for two evenings. That's a and lot. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, lads. I've mentioned before that I am a well-traveled international man, and um, you know that I can speak a little bit of Korean. You can. I can indeed. And what I discovered from watching Squid Game in Korean with English subtitles is I can really put my finger. I've come up with a term to describe exactly how much Korean I can speak. And the amount of Korean I can speak is... That's not what he said. (laughs) I don't know what he said, but that wasn't what he said. (laughs) Because the subtitles are all over the place. I can't tell you in what way, but... It's. Uh, I imagine there's a lot going on, which is, and Ben, this kind of ties into what your notes are for later. But mm-hmm. it, it ties into how very, very Korean a lot of it is, right? And how borderline untranslatable a lot of it is. So, have you seen any of it? Because I'm going to try and avoid spoiling it for both of you. I've seen the trailer. I, I've okay, seen so you've nothing. Seen the trailer. I know nothing about it except the picture on Netflix. Okay, it's very good, first of all. It's well worth watching. Even if you want to skip ahead, there are time codes in the description. You can skip ahead and not get Squid Game spoiled. It is very good. It's not a dystopian story at all. Um, People are comparing it to Hunger Games a lot. It's not very Hunger Games at all, to be honest. It's much more Battle Royale. Okay. The, The Japanese film Battle Royale. And I know Hunger Games has been accused of being inspired, winky winky, by taken. Battle Royale. Yeah. yeah, taken whole cloth or inspired. But this is much more Battle Royale in that it's set in pretty much the normal world. And there's a load of people and they're down on their luck and they, they've got nowhere to go. And they're, they're various schlubs and deadbeats and losers and ex-cons and whatnot. And they have all been taken away voluntarily to go play these children's games... Um, for money, and if if you if you lose, you die, but if you win, you get the money. And every time someone dies in the game, one hundred million won is added to the price prize wow. pool. How much is that? Don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing could it be loads. I'm guessing a substantial. Could amount. be not very much. It's about a hundred thousand euro, I think. Okay. So every okay. time someone dies, about a hundred thousand euro is added to the prize pool. So you're not encouraged and, to to find uh, pals and teammates and work together. Well, that's where society uh, and what is society capitalism. and what is friendship and what is capitalism and what is um, what is 
the relationship between older and younger people in Korea mm. uh, comes into play. What mm. is the relationship between criminality and the working classes? What is the relationship between people who've had many opportunities in life and have still ended up down on their luck and your working class schlubs? What's going on? Like, what? What? who's doing what and who's friends and who's not friends and who's enemies and who's going to stab you when you're asleep? Mm. It sounds fantastic. Ben. In terms of ultraviolence, how uh, uh, um, give me a give me a splatter score out of you know zero splats to red screen, one to ten. Uh, there, it's, it's 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 around a seven. Okay, okay. there's a lot That's of a lot. faces getting exploded. Right. Probably the most common thing is someone getting. It's mostly people getting shot. Okay. It's not people being killed in particularly gruesome and inventive ways. You're not getting a lot of severed arms and you're just getting a lot of people very callously being shot because they didn't complete a game. Right. And the games are genuine, genuine childhood games. No games that we, as Irish people of our approximate generation, would really be familiar with. Okay. Um, For example, they play a game called Red Light, Green Light. Which is apparently where one person faces away and says red light and then you can't move. And if you move after they say red light, you get, you're out. We do have an approximate. Go on. It's what's what's the time, Mister Wolf? What time is it, Mister Wolf? Yeah, not yeah. what's the time, Mister Wolf. That's the that's the English version. Um, <laughs> what time is it, Mister Wolf? Is the Irish version. <laughs> it, it's similar enough to that, but I mean that was one of the moments for me where I went that that they're not saying red light, green light. I know enough Korean to know that that's not red light, green light. So yeah, it, it, the games they play marbles in a really weird way. Oh. Let's just say that. <laughs> Nobody's okay. nobody's that, that sounds nobody's, wrong. <laughs> yeah, nobody's rolling marbles at each other. It's very strange. But it's very good. It's um it's it's a little bit I if I had one criticism of it, it's that I think I would have preferred it if they didn't care who had started the games or who was behind it or Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know the 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 bits for me where it was less gripping were in the like who set all this up and what's going on on the island and I, I think I would have been happier if it was a more of a cube esque situation where they were mm. just in it and were just following them and that therefore made it three hours shorter. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, right. Um, but otherwise, excellent, very good, very entertaining. Um, would it, would it be a, an updated version of the Running Man? Well, it's the the games are it's the Running Man is so eighties and hyper masculine, mm, okay, and everyone's yeah. bulging and like. But a little old man or a canny lady can win the games in in okay. Squid Game because they're genuine childhood games that don't involve fighting a sumo ice skating. Japanese man I love, and throwing I, him into an electrified net. I love your two examples of non-masculinity. A little old man or a canny yeah. lady. She's very canny. There's a lady in it. And if you had to describe her, her main character trait, she's canny. She's got a bit of cop. I haven't just invented though. And there is a little old man. They're actual characters from it. <laughs> good, What's the opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger? A canny yeah, lady. A little old man or a canny lady. <laughs> A lady with with qualifications. Yeah, no one, no one gets into a fist fight with Jesse the Body Ventura and has to impale him on spikes. Let's I'll, put it that I, way. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm joking. That sounds incredible. 
But I think I'll it's be watching good. it. I think I'll be watching it by myself. It's very good. There's, yeah, do. The funny thing is, it seems to have been. It seems to be infiltrating culture, popular culture, to the point that like kids are watching it. Mm. Genuine, like ten year olds. Yeah. And whoo, whoo-ee. I they wouldn't be. certainly be recommending it for children, that's for sure. Um, yeah. The violence in itself isn't actually that bad. It's the callousness of yeah. the violence. It's just like, oh, you failed at the game, you're shot. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's, that's hard, what's that upsetting. That can be hard to deal with when you're, yeah, particularly when you're young, you know, the kind of the unfairness, the injustice of it all, mm. that can that can mm. leave a mark. I've noticed on the various socials that, um, I as, as I may mention later on, I used to um, teach... Uh, undergraduate philosophy and so i have a few a few friends who made it through the uh the barrier from student into friend and all of them like it <laughs> and they're all they're all youngs they're all you're younger than mm. ben they're all even younger and, than ben. And into into like you know tiktok and uh i don't know grind no not grime what's it crunch Gr- grinder <laughs> what's that what's that the app grinder in england called not crunch garage Grime. Grime. Is there not another one? Is there a newer one? It's Drill. Drill. They're all into drill. Oh. Yeah. See, I'm so young. And hip. I know about that. You've but they like the Squid Game. So that's why I thought it was more of a kind of CW romance. No, not at all. Plus not at all. No, it's thing. all. It's all kind of grotty, knobbly faced middle aged Korean people. Oh, wow. I think okay. there's only one I, or two sexy people in it. I think that resonance is is probably coming from from two things. The unifying factor for all the characters is debt. Yes. Um, so that's a huge one. Um, mm. The the game preys on people that have a large amount of debt to pay back. Mm. Um, and so these people aren't necessarily. It's it's not the same kind of moral tale that we're used to in in some of these dystopian things where this character is a dickhead because he's a snob to other people or this character is this because and it, he deserves his comeuppance and the game is designed around them to teach them a lesson it's it's not like that it's uh how much debt are you in oh i'm in i'm in roughly the same amount of debt how fun mm. um and the other thing is it's very closely based on as you said michael on our world yeah 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 it's set in the um, real world essentially yeah, okay. so for a lot of people... As much as you can call Korea the real world. Take that, K-pop. <laughs> um, we, won't, we won't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Um, but <laughs> overall, overall, I think because it's so easily equatable to our world and younger people are probably feeling that, that squeeze now, what with the second massive global financial event crushing them from above... Um, there's probably a large-scale amount of, of residents being like, what would I do to get rid of my debt uh you know ben, is like, this is this what's wrong with you today because because we were trying to figure out what, what was wrong with you and is it because you tried to watch squid game and it just triggered you <laughs> no, it's, it's just my life i was just like oh, oh yeah i did that last week oh very yeah, good okay. okay um oh. it's it's the, it's just the, the crushing weight of the world michael it's just yeah ben. it's pretty crushing <sighs> pretty crushing yeah. if yeah. only there was a way we could build a suit of armor around the world <laughs> What? To protect us from that crushing. That was a good segue. That'd <laughs> that be was dead handy, wouldn't buttery it? Buttery smooth. <laughs> buttery, buttery smooth segue. Benjamin, if someone built a suit of armour around the world, there's no way that could conceivably go sideways, is there? No, there's no way to gain sentience and then learn how to kind of skip between dimensions like some kind of Schrodinger's weapon of mass destruction. No, ben, it might, because that's what happened in Marvel's What If this week. <gasps> oh, 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 oh. Well played, Michael. 
Yes, uh, it's not my first podcast. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, so yeah, we got we got the the pen, is this, is this the penultimate? I always get that wrong. Yes, yeah, so that means second last. Yeah, penultimate. Yes, excellent. This is the penultimate episode of Bloody Marvels. What if? Mm. Um, and it's the the rise of Voltron. Yeah. In this particular case. So this was an interesting one for me, Michael, because it's our first kind of tie together, and it it finally gives fans their their little Mephisto theory for this series, which was, oh, they're all going to join together at the end, they're all going to join together at the end, and other people were like, no, it's just a fun little vignette show, just, you know, just leave it, but no, they're all going to join together at the end, Michael. I like the way you brought your straw man back into play there, Ben, even though the even though your straw man neckbeard turned out to be right this time. <laughs> Yes, they were bang on, but fuck them. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure I said they were going to blend together at the end. I, don't, I might have even done it in that voice. <laughs> but anyway, what we've got, Michael, is confirmation that we will, in fact, have kind of a, an interdimensional Avengers style mm. banding together. So we're, we're going to see that in the next episode, hopefully. Um, spoilers for anyone, I suppose, from this point on who hasn't seen it this week. Yes, um, because there are time codes in the description, as always, so you can just skip ahead. You can just skip ahead, lads. It's very, very handy. So what what's happened in this one, Michael, is the Voltron storyline takes a, a little tick in the opposite direction. And Voltron gets to use the, the vision body to inhabit and become kind of a god, I suppose. Now, Benjamin. Yes. I know that you're saying Voltron as a joke, combining Vision and Ultron. But do yes. you want to make that clear to people so we don't get people writing in saying that Ben pronounced it wrong for the whole episode? Uh, well, that's fair enough, Michael. Thanks for clearing that up. I don't really feel I have to say it now. But <laughs> also, theoretically, I'm wrong. Yes, go <laughs> because on. Because it's not Vision and Ultron. It's not Vision at all, no. It's just not Ultron. Vision at all. It's just Ultron in a, in a soul, in a Mind Stone body. <laughs> Mindstown powered vibranium body. Yeah, so it's it's really not. It's just Ultron Supreme. Mm. God yeah. of the Baldies. Yeah. I tell you what though, he's no he's uh he's no messing around, is he? He sorted Thanos out pretty rapid. Why oh, did they do the Thanos like thing. that? Oh, I thought it was brilliant. I was just like, yes. Yes. He just wasn't ready. <laughs> it's like he walked out of the jacks and got cut yeah. in half. What? Yeah, it was class. You remember was- um Remember Pulp Fiction when John Travolta gets killed? It was that scene, but with Thanos. He's just like, That's exactly oh. what it was. Yeah, hey, it what's was up? 100% <laughs> that. What's inside him? That's what I want to know. Jelly. He doesn't have guts. Yeah, he seemed to be made of some sort of jelly. I don't know, because yeah. it cauterized just as he was falling apart. It was so hot oh, that, that it what cauterized it him as he was, as uh. he was being split in half. Let's, can, I, can, I, can I jump in with my hot take? You know, I told you okay. I was coming in hot with my Shut hot up. takes today. Um... Black Widow and Hawkeye are the John Cena of the Marvel Universe. There, mic drop. You can't They're, see them. They, they, first of all, you can't see them because he's got his little <laughs> invisible cape. Invisible Second cloak, of all, yeah. he's, they're being forced down our throats so much as in you have to like them. You have to love them. These are the heroes you care about. And I don't care about them. I can't care about them because every time they face a villain, they, 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 they fight them in, in a, in a, in a, a cheap, dirty, underhanded way. They're sarcastic. They've, they've no heroic qualities. I don't care about them. They're, they're, they're so, so frustrating. And the Black Widow film, I, I, I nearly put my head through a wall. It annoyed me so much. It, I, 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 Scarlett Johansson is a fantastic actress. But she's been done dirty by this character. It's terrible. And Hawkeye, I haven't watched the trailer for the new film, for the new TV show yet. But by all things, it sounds good. 
But my God, the two of them together are just, in wrestling terms, they're what we call a pop vacuum. They just oh. suck the energy off the screen. <laughs> like, if you could have, if you could have shown me that episode again with those bits cut out without them in it, I would have said, that's the best eight minutes of television I've seen in years. <laughs> that's the best eight minutes of Marvel there's ever been. But they there just, they, fellas with big... they've nothing, they've nothing good. They've nothing interesting. They've guns and arrows and the arrows are boring now. It's like, Oh, what arrow am I going to hit him with? An exploding arrow. Oh, what arrow am I going to hit him with? A very sharp arrow. Oh, what am I mm. going to hit him with? A USB arrow. It's, they are, they are the, 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 the corporate Disney-fied shades of their Marvel selves. And I, my hot take is boo. Boo to them too. <laughs> but Stephen, you've forgotten one thing. Is that Jeremy Renner is still under contract. <laughs> and that's the greatest superpower of that all. That is, yeah. But now, uh, maybe Florence Pug will uh, change the whole thing. But maybe she'll bring me around and I'll be like, ah, yeah, she's... White Widow or whoever she is now is brilliant. But She's got Jer- sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> Jer- sarcasm and guns. Yeah, but I mean come like oh god, they're flying up being chased by a million drones and you know, Black Widow just whips out her guns and goes, her two small, I'm guessing what, like twenty two millimeter guns and goes pew 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 shoots like eight of them in the head. And I'm like, Well, you know, if I was Ultron making my, you know, clones Pack a bit of extra armor on, so as a tiny bit of lead Nail doesn't heads. force them to mm. blow up, even if it's a really good shot. So, hot take, boo! Hot take, and, and, boo! And and she got Hawkeye killed by shooting out Armanzola's leg. Why did she shoot he, out his leg? He could have just what? flown them both he out. He could have just. He, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, Armanzola so like, was my favorite bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Armanzola was good crack. Yeah. He's like, hello, welcome to my secret base. And they're like, yeah, we know. He's like, ah. Oh, I was oh, in well the detectorists. Then. Yes. Uh, just put me in the robot. Why don't you? He's my favorite okay. character. So we're going to move swiftly on from there. <laughs> One of the things that I really liked about it was, is I, I think it finally brought the potential of Ultron to full fruition. Like one of the one of the great flaws of the the Avengers two Ultron Boogaloo is he he doesn't operate like a machine. He doesn't have the efficiency of a machine. He grandstands because it's you know an AI that's based on Tony Stark. I guess you could make the argument that he's kind of learned the art of grandstanding and egotism and narcissism from Tony Stark, and maybe that's what he's modeling himself on. Yes, sorry, go ahead. That's my favorite thing about Ultron. My favourite thing about Ultron is that he is a bit petty and a bit childish and petulant. And he's not just a robot. Oh, okay. Well, well, he's more driven in this one. He was more, <laughs> yeah. in, in this one, I have to say, he was, a, he was a, a, a much better character in this one, I thought, than in the Age of Ultron film, which I think we can all agree on was a bit pants. Go on, Michael. I, I, I think he... I, I disagree. I think he was a much better villain, but he wasn't a much better character. Okay. Okay, yeah. I can see your distinction there. Like, he he does much cooler stuff. Like, he makes himself a big suit of armour and a big cape for some reason. And the bloody... Lance. And the lance from Ghouls and Goblins for <laughs> yeah. whatever reason. He's chucking that around the place. And he's chopping Thanos in half and he's controlling the multiverse. But... 
not a more interesting character, I didn't think, because he lost. Well, I suppose he was still a bit petty because he was like, he I'm going to get you. I heard you, whoever was there. I'm going to come and get you and I'm going to break through and I'm going to kick you in the head. Big huge I think head. <clears throat> what, I, what I really liked about it is that machine-like efficiency comes across. Yeah, where you know, I, I I know some people on the internet were like, "Oh, Thanos could have taken Ultron." He couldn't because Thanos doesn't compute at the level a machine does. Like <laughs> the machine would have been like, "Oh yeah, okay, that's a problem." Boom! Like he assesses the threat very very quickly, and then has that me- hmm. mechanic kind of response of like, "I'm just going to split him in half." Yeah. Disagree. Okay. I don't think he assessed the threat very quickly and then split him in half like a machine. I think he just did that because he's an arsehole. <laughs> oh, he okay. was like, I've no interest in finding out who this is. Well, I, I definitely felt more I, on Ben's side of thing. I didn't think it was as petty. as, or I, I thought it was more like, oh, here's a threat. Boop, gone. Game over. Mm. But that makes it a very... Un- uh, 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 it kind of sucks the excitement out of the, you know, the scene if that's what he just does every time. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's someone. Yeah, because um, no, he looks at the glove and he says, mm, "Interesting." And then, like, he's just like, "Well, I can't let him use that bloody glove." Um, and then it's because like, if zap. Thanos had it clicked, he still had enough power in that glove to to give Ultron an old run for his money. Yeah, oh, I think he would have won. I, mean? I tell you what, though, Vision's useless, isn't he? The useless fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Could have fucking saved the day, and he just sat around being sad all the time and going, "Oh, I've been stabbed. Oh, I'm Paul Bettany." Well, uh, the, I haven't seen the other episodes, but is Captain Marvel in every one? Is that kind of the... No, no, no. She's in quite a few. But, okay. Uh, she's not in every one. Oh, Remember, just because I thought only her... certain <laughs> Only certain people are still under contract. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and those are the characters you love, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they They're are. the characters everybody loves. I tell you what, though. Ross Marquand, he's, he's some man for one man, isn't he? <laughs> single-handedly delivering the Marvel Universe. Just get rid of everyone else and just get Ross Marquand in. He'll do you the Red Skull. He'll do you Ultron. Bet you he could have done Armin Zola. I thought Jeffrey Wright... Was it Jeffrey Wright? Was brilliant yes, as Jeffrey the Watcher. Wright. Oh, my God. What gravitas. You could listen to him read the phone book. Mm. One of my favourite moments is, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it's just what like... the bloody robots come through my sparkly mirror wall? I, I, I really like that it was kind of that he looked genuinely scared. And then when he put on his kind of Super Watcher armour, I was a little bit, oh, I thought he was oh, I like be, that. Yeah. I, he looked so dumb. <laughs> I think he looked so dumb. He looked I think so that was dumb. Point. Yeah, um, that was like, awesome. That was He's some like, serious... Sorry, go wait ahead. a second. Well, wait a second. Well, I put on my dumb armor, and he goes, "Oh, I've got my dumb armor on." Stop punching me in my huge head. His head is so <laughs> disproportionate. It looks so weird when he's fighting someone with a normal sized head. Yeah, I I think one of the one of the things I really liked about that fight is it's classic kind of golden age Marvel because they they even went so far as to introduce the Kirby crackle into the oh, animation. There was Kirby crackle everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think what we got was a serious, like, Golden Age fight. Like, the big dorky watcher in his big armor and Ultron in his cape. Because, again, that doesn't make sense with the, the machine theory. Like, Ultron won't wear a cape. He doesn't need one. He doesn't need a cape. Um, but it, it, that's not lance. the point. Or a lance. Who from needs Ghouls a and Goblins. Um, it was definitely so, from Ghouls and Goblins. 100%. But, like, that fight scene where they split through realities and stuff, very enjoyable. Very, yeah. very good action. Very good Maybe action. Maybe when he was scouring the internet, he downloaded the ROM of the Ghouls and Goblins game for the Sega Mega Drive and said, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's very good joke look. there, Michael. Very good. Thank you. That, that's so cool. Well, 
No, I said cool. You've just misheard oh, me and attributed it to a joke. Oh. Speaking of, though, <gasps> classic Mega Drive games <laughs> oh. in the horror oh. genre. Stephen, Dr. Stephen J. Caddell, I yeah. can't help but notice your delightful T-shirt. Thank you. That you're, you're, you're wearing for this week's, uh, for this week's episode. Yes. Hang on, hang on Benjamin. let me get a little screenshot of that there. Hang on, hold are on. Are you going to get a little screenshot, are you? Uh, hang on now. Hold oh, have a look at that bloody phone. Flex those muscles. Yeah, give, him, give him a big stretch there. Oh, good man. Yeah, that's perfect. So many muscles. Benjamin. <laughs> yes. Benjamin, have you ever played the video game Zombies Ate My Neighbours? I have, Michael, because one, one Christmas, oh, here we my go. grandparents gave me a, a SNES with a whole bunch of games. And one of those a games Super were Nintendo Zombies Ate My Neighbours. What a beautiful Christmas. What a yeah. joy. What a joy. So I got... My poor grandparents, who didn't, who weren't able to distinguish between what was suitable for a child and what wasn't, they went to like a, 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 a kind of you know the way we used to have Rage here that did all the vintage secondhand games and stuff like that. In we in still have Rage. No, I think Rage is gone. Um, is Rage gone? Rage is yeah. gone. Yeah. R.I.P. So, oh, Rage. Yeah. I tell so you what, I, I was down in uh, in Wexford the other day, and they have an excellent retro video gaming shop. Do they? Yeah, it's very good. Drop, drop the yeah, name that's... there. Get a sponsor. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up while while Ben spins his wheels. I'll look it up. Yeah. Um. But they gave me a they gave me a, a an El Snes with two controllers from a brother and myself, and it was the greatest kind of mixed bag of games you've ever seen in your life. So zombies ate my neighbors. Kirby. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> Mortal Kombat one and two. Oh. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh my god. <laughs> Squid Game. Um, there was another weird one with like a medieval uh, like fighting game where you could play as a velociraptor or a knight and it, oh, it was so weird there was a lot of I think stuff you've, going uh, on I think you've combined a few different things into one there Ben <laughs> no no I'll find sound, it and I'll show it, it to you it sounds like Man. you're talking about Primal primal Rage is that what that game was well, called I think I, might, yeah. I think I might be I think that's exactly what I'm talking about but um, there weren't any knights in that there were only dinosaurs only dinosaur. Okay, well, I'll find it and we'll figure it out. But yeah, there were loads of different games, and among them was uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. It's great. Zombies movie. Ate Your Neighbors. I, I have a I have a similarly glorious experience with it. I uh, was on holidays in uh, my auntie's house in Bray in about ninety four, ninety five. So I was probably around fourteen, fifteen. And uh, one one Friday night, my uh, parents said I could rent a um, rent a Sega Mega Drive from the local vi- independent video shop because you could rent video game Ooh. consoles back then in the 90s. Nice. And uh, I rented that and I rented It, which is a very hard film to say, the old uh, um, Tim Curry version of It. So I have hmm. this, I think that's probably where my, you know, certainly that's where, you know, my, my descent into madness began because I, one Friday night, I watched all of It in one setting and uh played zombies out my neighbors for about six seven hours and uh, yeah wow. it, was, it, was, it was it was it was it was a glorious day a glorious day um S- steven do you think that would have inspired you later to write a, a phenomenal essay on the topic? <laughs> i think it would i think it inspired me to write a subpar essay on the topic um so <laughs> that's true i i'll uh to give a little background as to why um, uh, lovely Ben and, and lovely Michael are saying I'm an expert on this thing, I uh, did a PhD in philosophy in UCD and my PhD was in um, aesthetics, so the philosophy of art. And um, when you finish your PhD, you're encouraged to go and publish. 
Um, but the whole point of doing a PhD is that you have to specialize and specialize and specialize and specialize. So is that when mm. you come out with your PhD and you try and publish, the areas in which you can publish are so small uh, mm. that, and there are so many people doing them that it's almost impossible to get published. So what happens mm. to a lot of young researchers is they go off and they do a few, they bash out a few um, papers and uh, book chapters in uh, similar areas. Uh, so computer games is something I'm very interested in. Um, but my main interest from related to my PhD was the um, effectiveness of art or the effectiveness of art objects and what kind of emotions they can bring about in people. Uh, and a video game, in my mind, is a perfect example of an art object that can bring about a particular emotion. And the particular emotion in question was horror and being afraid, fear. Uh, so not just horror, but fear and feelings of being spooked out Ooh. and uh, things like that. So I wrote this um, chapter for a book called oh, Resident Evil and something. Watch out, it's spooky games coming. <laughs> it was it was a book specifically about Resident Evil. And um, if the editor's listening, I'm sorry, but it was a very poor book. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It, right, it was it was, links. it was bad, um, and my essay was not the, the 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 best, but it was by no means the worst. And my essay is not particularly good. But what I was trying to do in the essay was compare the difference between my experience, so just my experience of playing Resident Evil One, and my experience mm. of watching the first Resident Evil film, and um, why did the the my experience of playing uh, the game Resident Evil affect me and bring out such more um, uh, or such a greater amount of fear than watching the film and uh, so this is where we got into the, the this discussion uh, and I've been engaging it in, in a few different ways over the last few years um, about you know are games scarier than films or why are games scarier than films and, oh, but uh, not why are films scarier than games, I notice. Not why are films scarier than games, because in um, most of my research into the topic, I found the majority of academics would agree that films, or sorry, games are scarier than films, whereas the majority mm. of uh, non-academics, i.e. normal people, i.e. real human Ugh, beings, norms. and not, no, 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 norms meaning we're subpar. Okay. <laughs> Let's not forget that the academic pursuit is a, is not a healthy one. <laughs> not very good. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so the real people would be like, no, I don't find games that scary. And by which, of course, I have to say, fair enough. Um, but if we kind of break it down in terms of an analysis, um, for those of you who have played Resident Evil 1, the first Resident Evil, mm. you might... Or Stephen. Yeah. As it was called at the time, Resident <laughs> Evil. As it was called. It was indeed called Resident Evil. I think it had a different name in Japan as well. Biohazard. Biohazard. Yes, very good. Thank you. Um, so the, 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 it's, a, it's a typical kind of haunted house scenario where you go into this big spooky old mansion and you're walking around and you're trying to find things and there's a ticking clock um, which is setting up a lovely atmosphere. There's a grandfather clock that's ticking nicely in the background and you walk through this door and then there's what we call in the game world a cutscene. A cutscene, which is um, uh, like a little tiny short animated movie, and uh, the cutscene is the um, is a zombie feasting on a corpse, and the zombie turns around and looks at you, 
And so here what we're doing is we're experiencing the game as a film. The film, it, the, we have no controls. You can press all the buttons you want and nothing happens. This is just a cutscene. But then as soon as the cutscene goes, you realize you're now in charge of Chris. And if you do nothing, like when you're watching a movie, you don't physically interact with the movie. Um, if you do nothing, Chris will get attacked by the zombie. So for most people, what happens is the zombie attacks them or they run away. And what this mm. does is this adds a level of jeopardy to your experience where you're not just a passive viewer. You're now a, 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 a passive viewer and an engage, and you're engaging with the, 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 the artwork as well. So when the zombie turns around to attack you, you have to decide, what do I do? Also, you have to have the dexterity and the skill to turn around on quite cumbersome controls and run away or draw your gun and shoot him, wasting your valuable ammunition. Um, uh, or hit him with a, a stick or that you may or may not have found. So there's all these options that are presented to you. Whereas in a movie, when, uh, like in the movie Resident Evil, when you see the first, um, zombie, they try to recreate it, but the zombie comes up and then is very quickly shot. Um, yeah. and that's, that's, that, that's the, that, that was the kind of the crux of the essay was that difference where, you can run away, you can interact, you can engage, you have jeopardy, you have to do something. Um, you have control in a game, and but also then you have responsibility. As a friend of ours once said, with great power comes great responsibility. Only one Kenobi. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought it was Spock. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, 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 that would be the kind of the, the basic, um, starting point anyway for a discussion on why games might be uh, scarier than films i i mean very interesting very strong and interesting point and obviously as well there's the resident evil's an interesting one because the the first resident evil game is a horror game later resident evil games become action games absolutely and chris redfield is punching boulders in half with his bare fists and you put that guy you put the chris redfield from resident evil 6 into resident evil 1 he's just gonna high kick his way through that mansion in 15 minutes yeah. wiping everyone out not unlike a mila hovovich yeah. does yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. i mean the the power of the protagonist kind of lessens the horror in the Resident Evil films to the point I would call them action horror mm. films rather than horror films. Absolutely, absolutely. When you when you get down into it and start to examine horror movies in a real boring way, you start to realise that, first of all, the not unlike our watcher friend, um, horror movies splinter into a million different uh, um, mm. categories and uh, uh, um, um, sub subtypes. Um, but an awful lot of what we would consider horror films are action movies with yeah. spooky baddies. Um, yeah, which, are, yeah, which, yeah. which, don't get me wrong, absolutely love them. Absolutely adore them. Um, but when you're looking for those films that actually really try to, um, get inside your spine and, and, and corrupt your body, as we were chatting about earlier, really twist you. Um, there's mm-hmm. not that many. Um, there's not that many really that, that, that do it successfully or that, 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 uh, you know, do it successfully for many, many people. Um, but, but that's not to say that horror films are bad or anything like that, but it's just the kind of emotional response that you can get from a game can be achieved a lot quicker and a lot easier, it seems, uh, looking at the, 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 the research than in, uh, games. But I, I agree completely that you're, in Resident Evil, the first part, you are 
um, at that stage, you're weak and vulnerable, and, and you know you'll recall the, the 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 marketing described it as a survival horror game. Mm. So you know it's all about surviving, not chopping baddies up with your you know and doing a high kick. Yeah, yeah, no kicks and flips. No, no, very very few. I, as you know, Stephen and Ben, I'm a bit of a horror junkie. I I consider myself to have been chasing the dragon of childhood fear. <laughs> For the last 30 years, like some stuff really seriously scared the shit out of me as a child. And yeah. I've never been able to. And I, I still ch- I chase that every horror film that comes out. I think yeah. maybe this will be the one, the one yeah. that's going to really kick in that primal shit in a brick fear that I can't find anymore. But interestingly, the, the difference between the horror games and horror films when I was growing up was I was terrified of films. But with games... My instinct, instead of being scared and enjoying it, was to just turn it off and not like it. Yeah, that's fair. And just go, this this is, uh, maybe I just won't play it. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't know if either of you ever played the game Zero Tolerance on the Sega Mega Drive, but it was one of the first ever kind of generation two first person shooters. And it was kind of aliens themed, but it was zombies mm. in space. Oh, maybe I have played that. You probably did. You you might I'm have seen it. I'm very old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your vintage, let's say. It came out probably the year after Zombies Ate My Neighbours, <laughs> so you've probably seen it. But I found that unpleasant to play as a child. It made me nervous. It made yeah. me want to turn off the console yeah. and go to bed. And I misinterpreted that as a child as not liking it. Absolutely. Rather than embracing the fear of it. Mm-hmm. And that dawned on me when, as an adult, I played a couple of games. I played Amnesia the Dark Descent. Mm. I don't know if either of you have ever played that. I have thought about playing it, but I think I played uh, I think I played a demo, maybe, or I watched this uh, uh, playthrough, but I didn't, mm. I didn't buy it. I, I, I got about half an hour into it and went, this isn't good. I'm, I'm not playing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I had the same experience with Alien Isolation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I had... The, yeah. I had the same experience with the Resident Evil 7 um, playable trailer. Yeah. I think it was called Resident Evil 7 The First Hour. Okay. And one day I had a revelation that I wasn't enjoying any of those games because they were making me feel yeah. uneasy. Yeah. Because they were freaking me out. Because it was an unpleasant experience. And rather than embracing that's the point, which is what I try and tell people about horror films. You know, people who people who just won't watch a horror mm, film. Absolutely. And I tell them that's the point. That's the the point. feeling that makes you not want to watch it is what you need to embrace. So then I bought Resident Evil 7, powered through that unpleasant feeling for the first hour. And holy God, one of the best horror and video game experiences I've had in the last 20 years. Fantastic. Uh, can I, can I, uh, I know I've been hugging the conversation. Sorry, okay. Ben. Um, but I just want if <laughs> to, to explain, make perfectly there encapsulated one of my points, um, uh, uh, which, which makes me really happy. Uh, and to tie it back into what you were talking about last week, Ben, when you were talking about the, uh, you go girl or go good on, go, good for go her. get him girl. Go, Good go, for her. Good for you. Good for you, girl. Good for her. Good for her. Sorry. Um, uh, Stephen, can I just point out before you go on, there is no need to feel to include Ben. You can just... <laughs> yeah, no, there isn't. Really, I'm happy to just sit fair. back. You are the guest for this week. <laughs> just, yeah, so yeah, it's totally fine. he's not there. <laughs> we'll just have a chat about horror game. <laughs> but the, 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 in the literature, 
um, so this is going back to Aristotle's poetics, um, the distinction that you're describing there, Mick, between the feeling you have when you watch a horror film and the feeling you have when you play it, or you had when you played a horror game is the distinction between the, uh, the effects of catharsis and the effects of mimesis or mimesis. So in a, in a, in a, in generally in, as Ben eloquently described last week, when you're watching a, a, a movie with horror or violence or tragedy or any of these kind of strong emotions, you go through a, a cathartic experience where you, you identify with the, the, um, the context and the motivations of the characters and you, 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 um, are happy to see the villain get their comeuppance or you're happy to see, you know, Laurie Stroud push Michael Myers out the window or, you know, you're, you're, you're happy for that thing to happen. It gives you a, maybe not, maybe not even happy. You're relieved. There's a release of emotion. There's an, an some kind of endorphin rush or something that gives you a, a, a feeling where you can come away from that movie and say, that was a cathartic experience. I enjoyed that experience. Even though I was scared, even though it was negative, I enjoyed that experience. Whereas with games, it's not about catharsis. It's, it's really important that you, it's not about catharsis. It's about mimesis. In a, in a, in a good horror game, in a good horror game, I should always clarify this by saying good, because there are many crappy ones that don't know what they're doing. But in a, ah, boogly woogly. <laughs> yeah, in a good horror game, you should feel that you are in danger. You're not identifying with somebody else. So when Chris is getting attacked by a zombie, you shouldn't feel, oh no, Chris is in danger. You, uh, you should feel, oh fuck, I'm about to get killed. <laughs> so. And just uh, turn the machine off. Yeah. So when you karate chop your controller and throw it on the floor and the person in the next room comes in and says, Mick, what are you doing to that expensive controller that I bought there for you? The only the other yeah. day and that. And you, yeah. you say, <laughs> are you married my to Bridget from the quiet man? <laughs> Who invited my mom here? <laughs> you say, Ma, I died. I was eaten by a zombie. You don't say, you, or no, no sane person would ever say, Ma, Chris Redfield was eaten by a zombie and I was responsible <laughs> for his actions. So, and to, this blood is on my hands, mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, but this is the thing. It's not even Chris's blood. It's your blood. You're like, I am losing my blood. And, uh, Resident Evil again emphasizes this by when you die. Can you recall, Mick, what it says on the screen? You died. You died. Not Chris. Not Mario. You. When you're playing uh, Super Mario World and you fall into a hole, Mario didn't fall into a hole. You fell into a hole. So this oh, is why oh. it's the difference between catharsis and mimesis. You are um, mimesis. It has many different definitions, but in Aristotle's Poetics, he talks about it as you see yourself in the tragedy. You don't see the tragedy happening to someone else, and you uh, you empathise with them in a cathartic way. You actually see yourself in representation. So it's 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 miming you. It's 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 it, there's a there's a, a mimetic connection with you. Um, so that is what I would say um, is a big is a big uh, issue with um, video games and the frustration that comes with them um, because the jeopardy is there. Uh, you also have responsibility, and if you reject that responsibility, it can turn into frustration, and you just go, "Actually, no, f this! I don't want to play these games anymore." 
and just puts control mm. down. Uh, which mm. you, you don't really do in a movie. Like if a movie gets too scary, you can I turn know some it off. Who'll turn a scary movie off. Pardon? I know some people who'll turn a scary movie off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is that what they do? What, what, but what they might be doing there is they're turning off the whole situ- situation. They're, mm. they're, 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 they're disengaging completely. Whereas because a game can take you, you know, 30, 40 hours, um, sometimes you might just end that session and know you will go back to it eventually. Mm. Uh, so in a lot of ways, games two- can be more game horror games could be probably better associated sometimes with horror novels or horror comics, where mm. you're investing a huge amount of time into them. Um, but uh, yeah, the, 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 that idea of mimesis and, and having the kind of the, the the mimetic effect of a video game can also be frustrating. But when you get it right, when it works, not only did you save Chris's life, you saved your life. You know. When in Last of mm. Us 2, when you kill the Rat King and you are finally free to move on to the next section of, of unrelenting horror, um, the, the, the relief that you feel is palpable. I'm sure anyone listening who's played The Last of Us 2 and killed the Rat King, probably they did the same thing as me, which is at the end they just walked around, maybe shot the body a few times, <laughs> just <laughs> walked around the, 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 the horrible burnt out hospital and was just just breathing to themselves going i did it i did it you know i'm free <laughs> yeah 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 the the funny thing about video games is and this is an anecdote as much as it is a point but the funny thing about video games is you need to know the language of video games i feel although no hold on i'm about to contradict myself uh, uh so <laughs> you need to know the language of video games to be properly scared by a video game. And I was going to say that's in, in in opposition to film, but I think it's just we know the language of film so well because it yeah. is so ingrained in us culturally and not everyone is as familiar with the language of video games. So you know our friend Shane, our mutual friend Shane. You might remember yes. him. He's been on a few of the podcast episodes. I, He's a real son of a bitch. I'm a big he, fan. He's completely immune to horror video games. Not from a tough guy perspective, but he just, you know, it's it's not like, I mean, if you put him in a spooky field at night and had people like jumping at him with knives, he'd be terrified. But in a video game, he doesn't do the thing that Dr. S- Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell has just so eloquently described of relating that character on screen. It's not him. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing to do with him. It's just a character on a screen with spooky music. And he's like, so... I don't know if you ever played Slender. Yes. Um, yeah. Slend- it was a kind of homebrew, very small homebrew. There are lots of Slenderman games now, but this was like a basically a first-person demo called Slender. Go and find the eight pages or whatever before Slenderman gets you. Yeah. And it absolutely scared the piss out of me. It scared the piss out of our good friend, Dr. Jim, who, you'll, who you also both know. Oh, yeah. Um, scared the piss out of both of us we played it independently each other scared the piss out of it played it together scared us even more because we were egging each other on invited (laughs) our friend Shane to play the scariest video game either of us have ever played complete deadpan and not like I said from a tough guy perspective and not from a like this isn't going to affect me sort of way but just genuine confusion on his face as to what could have possibly been scary (laughs) he's just like I don't get it 
That's, what is scary about this? That's wonderful. Then he punched it because he didn't understand it. I might get a, I might get changed. There's a, to go to UCD psychology department. There's a, a wonderful doctor out there called Dr. Brendan Rooney who uh, studies a lot of these things and he might strap uh, Shane up to a few machines and get him to play some scary games. Oh, and that would be <laughs> incredible. Be I'm <laughs> sure be he would be up for it. It'd be, if, if nothing else comes out of this episode <laughs> except that experiment, <laughs> this will be worth it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send this link to, to Dr. Brennan and see what he, uh, see, see what Very he says good but i think on on your point there uh, nick i think there's a that's a great thing to say about the vocabulary of the game and the vocabulary of the film and if you think of some of the um uh, scariest moments in um horror cinema quite often will have a, a kind of a an educational component to it like um, i'm thinking of the uh, the blood test scene from john carpenter's the thing um where they say basically i'm going to heat up this wire and i'm going to mm-hmm. stick it in petri dishes with all of our blood and one of you know whoever's blood has the 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 the, the thing in it will react mm-hmm. like that's how the scene begins so as then with everyone tied up and the flamethrower and it's a really slow scene because what they're doing is they're just teaching you to build up and build up and you're just getting mm-hmm. more and more engaged with the vocabulary of what's going on because you know full well all that has to happen is that little the picture of that little stick has to hit the picture of that little blood and something terrible is going to happen mm. so i think you're absolutely right that you need to know the vocabulary and, and sometimes as well not knowing the vocabulary not knowing what button to press how do i turn around how do i run how do i pull my gun you know that can actually make um that can actually make uh early stages of horror games even more scary um yeah yeah I mean, but I mean, the other the other thing about like the vocabulary of horror films, anyone who watches horror films knows, oh, that shot's framed weirdly. That shot is framed so that there's about the right amount of space right there behind Stephen's shoulder for someone to appear. <laughs> and then, oh, it's a spooky man. But his head's on backwards and there's another head coming out the back of it. Wah! <laughs> um, Bloody malignant. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, no spoilers. Thanks for save, saving me 11 euro. You're welcome. But um, that that kind of shorthand, that cinematic shorthand of there's a, there's a funny space here. Some people are consciously aware of it. Some people are not consciously mm. aware of it. They're subconsciously aware of it. And that makes a scene, an oddly framed scene, tense yeah. to the point that a lot of modern cinema plays on that knowledge and shows us an oddly framed scene and then doesn't have a boogly-woogly jump out yeah. and frighten you. Yeah. And then the next scene, when you relax, that's when they get you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But video games have their own version of that. And I'm thinking specifically because we're kind of leaning on um, on Resident Evil 1, which was probably the master of introducing jump scares to video yeah. games. But if you see a long corridor in, in Resident Evil, there's just a long corridor and there's no zombies in it. Yeah, with You're three going, windows. Oh. And there's three windows on the side and there's a mysterious kind of leak on the roof and you're going, oh, I'm not going down there. Yeah. Give me a corridor with three zombies in it yeah. any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Because something's going to happen here. Dogs are going to come through the window. Are Arms are going to grab me. <laughs> something's going to come through the ceiling. A big a tentacle might come out of the floor and go, yeah, yeah. anything. Anything could happen. But if you don't know that, you're just going to go, oh, cool, empty corridor. Um, what's what's wonderful as well is um, they, this, they, they, this vocabulary, as you say, they're, now they're playing with that knowledge. So um, mm. I, I've mentioned it a few times now, but it's because I think it's such a perfect example. Um, the first game of The uh, the Last of Us, uh, just The Last of Us, 
uh, the opening 30 minutes of that or 20 minutes are, are um, breathtaking. They're, they're astonishing. Um, but it cuts between very long cut scenes and short scenes of action where you have limited control. So you're in a car and all you can do is look around or you're, mm. you, you're, you're, um, so, you know, there's another cutscene and then you have to run. And, um, can I give spoilers for this game that's been out yeah. for 10 years? Yeah. It's so, the, the first one, isn't it? The very first one. And, and, yeah. Retroactively retitled The Last of Us 4 A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a um, joke for you so there. For old Ben is, uh, is running through. <laughs> so it's the zombie apocalypse and you're running through with your daughter and, um, you finally managed to escape the town and, uh, you're walking up and you've got these controls and you're running up and then this army guy stops you and your control is taken. It cuts to a cutscene and mm. the army guy kills your daughter. Oh, no use. No, so, so that's how the game starts. That's, that's, that's the, you, you, that's what it's telling you that you're in for. It's like, we're going to mess with your feeling of control, your feeling of power, your feeling of responsibility. Hmm. And then the next two games and the subsequent TV series are all going to rely on, do you care about the fact that your daughter died or not? Cause hmm. if you, that's the, the, the crux of the whole story. And, um, the, 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 the Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, I would say, are better than any horror movie, better than any TV show, better than any novel. They are the epitome of apocalypse horror. They are, they are, they, they, there's nothing is ever going to come close to them, which is why I'm both excited and terrified of this new TV show. Except The Road. Oh, no. far better than The Road. Far oh, better be- than The Road. Far better than The Road. It, I mean, it takes what the road does and does it better. Absolutely. Mm. I'm, I know I'll be kicked out of the, uh, academia club for saying that, but, um, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> they'll send Vigo Mortensen over to beat you up. <laughs> I, I, to defend, to, to defend Last of Us, this is a hot take. Here's my okay. hot take. Vigo oh, here Mortensen, go. you come to Dublin and I'll fight you. <laughs> I'll oh, okay. fight you, Vigo it's Mortensen. <laughs> it's I'll on. fight Our you. podcast has turned into a bloody. <laughs> In the left corner, video. representing The Last of Us video game for some reason, it's Dr. Stephen J. Catwell. And in the right corner, <laughs> befuddled by this whole thing, is a drugged and kidnapped Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> Who, by all accounts, seems to be a very chill, very nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice man. Very yeah. nice man. Yeah, yeah, very nice man. Sorry, Vigo. Don't know why we dragged you into this. On the bright side, right. when, when I hit him, it probably won't hurt. It'll just be a, a soft padding, like Mr. Let's- Burns. Let's, for the sake of wrapping it up, just tell the listeners, yes, we have played Silent Hill. Oh, yes, We can't yeah, talk sorry. about everything. We can't talk about everything can't on one podcast. Can't talk. Can't. But Silent Hill, it, 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 yeah, Silent Hill is, 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 a, is a less interesting example because the film version is actually okay. Whereas the mm. film version of Resident Evil really does fall flat. It's mm. just an action film with some zombies um, what do you mean <laughs> you don't love overly CGI'd characters just throwing themselves at each other what do you mean but is it, how many Milahoviches are there this time <laughs> you never know can Maybe I just one? throw one more point in there just to finish off um, yes yes go on for then those we'll of you who are, might be interested in this topic I would say uh, a game uh, uh, Hideo Kojima who's the kind of the the current i don't know elvis of games i don't video know why i said elvis <laughs> the king of sense. the king of video games uh his his most recent game death stranding um 
takes everything I said and throws it out the window. It manages to do horror in a totally new and different way. Um, but I'm only about a third of the way through Death Stranding because I'm old and have kids and I can't play very often. So maybe Whoa, in a year or two. that's the real horror. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, Parental dun. responsibility. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, Death Stranding is an incredible uh, game. I 100% recommend it, but it will um mess with your mind in a million different ways that we haven't discussed today and mm-hmm. one other thing just to say the um there's a game two games called dark side detective which are spooky games they're not horror they're point and click adventures and they're irish and i don't like to be all national about it but um just in case anyone is listening and they like spooky games like costume quest or luigi's mansion um go on to your computer or console of choice and buy dark side detective and dark side detective 2 a fumble in the dark they're hilarious and wonderful and uh they're not scary at all but they've got cthulhu and zombies and monsters and gremlins and um a, a trip to ireland in them and Ooh, they're that just sounds fun they're just getting those on steam you can get them on Steam. I believe you can get them oh, both classic. now for like, I think they're like nine ninety nine or eleven ninety nine. But you'd be supporting Let's the... Do a Let's Play. You'd be supporting... Yeah, yeah. You'd be supporting the independent games industry. You'd be supporting the Irish games industry, which is still still struggling to get off the ground, but it's doing very well. And um, you'd be supporting awesome, cool horror games. Uh, and this is... I, I have no connection to them. I don't know anyone involved, but Dark Side Detective and Dark Side Detective 2 of Fumble in the Dark are my 100% million... Uh, times uh, recommendations for cool spooky games for Spooktober Spooktober um, I forgot what I was going to say oh Ben Ben yes point and click games are not a good idea for a let's play because they're usually quite funny and then you have us being less funny talking over oh, okay. the funny <laughs> and everyone was like this would be great if these two idiots didn't keep <laughs> preempting all the jokes with worse versions <laughs> and, and a lot of it is a lot of it is trying to connect Put this spanner on this lampshade. Put this mm. spanner on this bed. Put this spanner on this wardrobe. You've unlocked the wardrobe. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! So, it, all right. Well, we won't let's play it then, but I'm going to check it out. Absolutely do. Absolutely do. Dark Side Detective and Dark Side Detective Two. Fumble in the dark. Ladies and gentlemen, what are some of your formative gaming experiences with horror and spooky, scary skeletons sending shivers up your spine, shivers inside your spine, if you go off the earlier comments in mm. this episode? Uh, let us know what you think. You can talk to us in a bunch of different ways and give us your thoughts on horror and video games. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish does indeed you can also find us on the gram uh at uh sure look, sure listen podcast my brain's <laughs> no, not working yes brain's not working sure look, sure look i'm all scared and spooked um you can find us in lots of different ways we're also on twitter at listen sure but the best way what is the best way to get in touch with us and to get yes. a live response sometimes sometimes <laughs> is to get up on that discord baby hop up on it Absolutely. I've hopped up on the Discord. Me and all the He's other, me and all the other Mick and Benders, we're uh, we're we're, we're <laughs> chatting away. Me and the Mick and Benders chat all day about that is, that uh, about class. horror movie crap. Good. Yeah, that's very good. That's class. Um, uh, Stephen, so, do you want to do any shout-outs before we finish up? Yes. 
Any any shout outs to the to the fans? Um, shout outs to the fans to 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 all my. Oh, sorry. Yes, there is a shout out. I wanted to shout out. Thank you. If they've listened this far, you nerds. Um, <laughs> there's. I'd like to say hello to the aesthetics philosophy class uh, Phi two hundred from Heidelberg University. You nerds listening in what? on your free time and studying. You nerds. Uh, Very good. Let's stuck it to them. <laughs> thank you for listening. What? See you soon. Uh, Heidelberg <laughs> University people. <laughs> this particular Mick Ben would like to say a very, very massive thank you uh, to Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell for coming on and telling us all about horror and video games. Very informative. Thank very you so useful. much. Thank you. Thank very, you for having me. And very spooky. Oh, yeah, really thank appreciate. you. I hope Continuing I don't die session. now. <laughs> I suppose we all will eventually. That's the real horror. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if that if that long-term horror isn't enough for you, you can join us in a week's time. We'll be taking a look at urban horror, hell and the inner city, focusing on films like Candyman, Bloody Pinhead, and all the other nasty things that came along with different films. So get Adam and Paul! That's Dublin horror. That's a very different thing. Um, all right, lads. That's the end of us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I was a ghost the whole time. I'm not no wiping myself with a tato bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quote from Adam and Paul. <laughs>